they had different places. They had uh, a couple other places they'd have had gatherings in the homes, you know. Okay. And I guess that kind of wore out. So I guess the Murphy said didn't come to our house. She 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 invite anybody in, you know. Samuel and Amy Murphy. They are the ones that started the church back at where the woods is now. Oh yeah, six years we had it in there, thirty-one to thirty-seven. Well, we had a full house every time. See, it was, it was a, a big, great big house. Big house, eight-room house. Of course, we I had, think they had four or five benches. The living room would hold, I guess, forty, fifty people, and it was usually full. There was a lot of people just walked to church, and they didn't want to go home, so they would stay, and my mother would feed them, and they would stay for night service. Well, on Saturday afternoons, my mother would say, now, you know, tomorrow there'll be a lot of people here. Um, I need to go out and get chickens ready. So she had chickens that she would catch, and then she would chop their heads off, give them a flip out in the yard, and let them bleed out. They, they built a church in 1937. And Myers, people by the name of Myers, they, they give them that piece of ground. They give them a piece of ground. Uh, so they so they could have their, be buried there. And they're buried, the first ones are buried there. They lived across the street, so they gave them that property. I just know that, you know, they were building a church down there, and uh, we, would, we were anxious to go in there because... Uh, it was great to get away from the house just to go to church. Pitcher Pittman himself dug that basement out. They went back in the woods somewhere and got an old building tore it down, built the church. Oh, uh, everybody helped a little bit. There was half a dozen anyhow. At least half a dozen, maybe a dozen. I can remember the first when the first night we went in and cleaned it up and had church. 1937. The plumbing was outside. <laughs> we had what they call Johnny houses. <laughs> we still thought everything was better down there. At least we had one for the men, one for the women when we moved down to the other church. We thought it was great. <laughs> we started really having picnics, nice picnics, when we went down to the other church, down to the, where the graveyard is. And we'd have, every summer, we'd have a big meal on, we on the ground, you know, spare food out. Yeah, the Pittmans were all there. They were a large family. I know he was there for about 30, at least 30 years. I could tell that he enjoyed preaching, and he loved to see the Spirit of the Lord move. I remember that. His daughter, Ruth, played the piano. I was learning just to play the piano at that time, and she had gone, and so I went to the piano and I played uh, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, and I heard him say, because she was getting ready for college, that the Lord was going to raise up someone to play, which I did for a while, and then my Aunt Mabel played for a while, then I did. Preacher Pippen would come, sometimes he would get a quarter in an offering. But people gave him a lot of stuff, you know. Yes. Miss Murphy would take, get him a ham, they go down and get a ham or something, you know. And every, it seemed like everybody helped everybody, you know, just, it was just one big family. Mother would take him over after church and give him sandwiches and hot coffee and tea and stuff, and we were just one big family. 
So second time is much better. Um, good morning. My name is Becky Eiler, and I'm here to introduce two special people. Um, they say that home is where your heart is. My family definitely made Hedgesville Assembly their home, and they put their heart into this special home. Back in the day, there was Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, and the midweek Bible study along with Missionettes and Royal Rangers, and we didn't miss. I remember being one of four people in our youth group. Um, at one point, that was when Pastor Leader was our pastor and our youth leader. Um, I have very fond memories growing up in this church. Having a godly heritage is something that I treasure. Knowing that this church began my great-grandmother's home gives me a great sense of pride. Her prayers for our family and this church are the faith foundation that makes the brick and mortar possible. If you haven't met my parents, they are Golden and Linda Cole. They were the first couple to be married by Pastor Stanley at the old church on Butts Mill Road. Um, My mom has taught Sunday school since she was 15, and um, she was elected to do that, even though she thought she had to be 16, and she's continued to do that today consecutively. She's been the church secretary, choir member, WM secretary, HC senior secretary, and prims and daisy leader. My father was a board member, Sunday school superintendent, assistant Sunday school superintendent, assistant treasurer, and song leader. And I say that with emphasis. Um, <laughs> Rural ranger leader and burnt offerings cook. <laughs> burnt offerings. There's my dad. <laughs> I couldn't be more proud to have these two individuals for my parents. My brother Wes and I were the benefactors of a Christian home. Um, I have to give a shout out to my husband. Because tomorrow is marks the date that we were married in this church 24 years ago. Yeah. My husband jokingly says that it took three pastors to marry him. We had Pastor Joseph Smith, Pastor Lewis Whitford, and from his childhood church, Pastor Riley. Happy anniversary, Phil. I love you. And now, the people who raised me up in this church. They had uh, elections, and they always nominated the teachers. And uh, I was only 15, and somebody nominated me, and I said, no, I can't be a teacher. you got to be 16. And they said, well, that'll be okay. You could be a teacher. So from then on, I was. I remember that. Yeah, Reverend Stanley married us back there. Yes. The first people we ever married was Golden and I. Yeah, well, I'm... He's, and he sang at our wedding, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, and the Camel Song about Isaac and Rebecca. That was back at the old church we got married. In yeah. 71. Her memory's better than mine. Somehow, they got me to become a song leader. Lawrence Shirley, my, Linda's uncle, and I, we were uh, so, song leaders, and we led the song service. All right, when we had baptizing service, we had it in Back Creek, so it was cold. But yes. they were nice. We would sing together together at the river. and I was baptized while I was at the old church in Allensville and the pastor would take us out into water and say uh, when we go to baptize us he would take us submerge us he said now hold your breath I went down under the water the water was so cold I didn't have to hold it it took it <laughs> and when we come up and walk back up to the bank they they wrapped a blanket around us and you know, the Lord must have been there because I never got a sniffle yeah with you and the present baptismal services have been taking place within the main sanctuary. It's 
world. In a, in a heated place. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one time we had like 150 at Easter because we went on this, we tried to see how many we could get. And we actually got that many in the church that Sunday. And every, was that again? 150, the wall-to-wall people. We had a big service and had Easter egg hunt on Easter. I can remember being back there for that. And I remember making plans to move then. Well, that church needed a lot of work. It didn't have indoor plumbing for one thing, and also it needed, it was sort of getting dilapidated, and the basement leaked, and we really, really needed a new church. The road in the wintertime was hard to get to. We used to go back in the snow a lot of times, but it was dangerous. Being back like that, we weren't growing very much. Yeah. And the pastors, we had the, had the vision of uh, enlarging the church, and to do that, they needed a different, they felt they needed a different location. And that's one reason we looked, and there were several spots. But I do remember there were a couple places they were looking at. One was above, going toward Johnsontown, and one was on the corner there. And uh, I really prayed about it. I remember, I mean, I'm sure everybody did, that God would find us a good place that would be easy access to both roads. And when we got that one, where we are now, uh, I... We all felt that that was God's will, that we would build there. Apparently, they got a good bargain with the hill there with um, Ralph Munnigan's barn, barn was setting. And that's where we put plan, they planned on the, uh, the new church. And I continued for a couple of years working with Lawrence and Steve as song leaders. And uh, Ben was voted on the board, was happened to be one of the fortunate ones that was in the groundbreaking service for the new church. It was in February of... February 29th. It was leap year. 76. And it took him just one year to build the church. Everybody jumped in and worked. We sort of, we had men like we do now build this part. Everybody worked together. And we had a lot of talented people, it seemed like, that could go ahead and do things. It's like it is today. We have uh, builders and, and all and electricians. Back then, we had uh, uh, builders, electricians... And then Brother Smith was drywall person, so he did all the drywall. Yeah. It's been a conglomeration of different people. talented people coming in and working. And uh, there was no squabbling about who was number one. Or they they seemed like they blended, like they'd known each other all their lives. They blended together and for the furtherance of the building. Well, good morning. Uh, for those that don't know who uh, my wife and I are, I'm Mark Mason, and this is my lovely wife, Susan, and we were your youth pastors from 1995 to 2000, and we're still very, very closely tied to Hedgesville Church. Uh, I, I say it every time we come here, this feels like home more than any other place that we go, and we travel all over the country and do a lot of prison and biker ministries, but work with quite a few churches, too, and this is just home. We have the richest relationships here. Church is just an incredible place to, where people have to love you whether they like you or not because Jesus said so. <laughs> I thought of this scripture I didn't share in the, in the first sir. Uh, thing that came to mind, um, this scripture when, when uh, Chris asked if we would come up. Oh, sorry. Uh, Psalm 102, 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. That's what, that's what we're doing right now. We're writing a story that people not yet created will read.
And everything that we do plays into that story, whether it's uh, preaching a sermon from the stage or mopping a floor in a fellowship hall. They're all lines and they're, they're all periods and exclamation points. We're, 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 we're writing a story that, can, that does impact eternity for people. A place where people can raise their families, a place where people can find hope through every season, seasons of celebration, seasons of grief. You know, uh, there's a, I heard a, a pastor say years ago, and we ask ourselves this with our own ministry all the time, um, he said, never stop telling people what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. And that's what's happening a little bit here this morning, is let, let's look at what we've done, but let's not get stuck there. And then let's look at what we're doing, look what's happening out here. But it's a lot more than just a building, isn't it? I mean, the building could burn to the ground, God forbid. But that's not the church. The church is us as a family. Uh, and, you know, everywhere that that, uh, that people gather, there's going to be conflict. Carl, Pastor Carl and I were just talking about, uh, you know, we, we travel a lot in a camper. We were in it full time for a while, inspired by Pastor Carl, the kid's term. And sometimes we park down the hill. And uh, we talked about the fact that I told Carl, I said, yeah, when the building goes up, man, you're out and we're in. We're taking over the trailer park. <laughs> Chris, you're going to have a trailer park down the hill, and we're going to have trailer park fights, you know. Um, but but what a, a wonderful thing that we have as a church. I mean, I, I jokingly say that we have to love one another whether we like one another, but it's the truth, isn't it? Because if we have offense with one another, we've got to do business with one another, but we've got to do business with Jesus who forgives our sins and doesn't hold us in judgment. I, I was talking in the first service, obviously, I mean, I, I, we all have a role to play. We all have a, a line to write in the story that's going to be read by future generations. It's actually, actually being read by this generation right now. Um, but in our journey, um, I, I believe that where you make the greatest sacrifice, there's where you find the greatest significance. And that's really what you're after, by the way, is you're after, hey, tell me that, that I matter. Even though I've been through a divorce or I've been through this challenge in life or tell me that I matter, that, that I count, that I have a part to play in the story. And, and I will say that uh, we came here, I was 32 years old, I was coming out of police work and I wanted to do something more and help children, took a big pay cut and wanted to work with youth and they gave us three vans and we ran those vans to the holler and to the hood and we filled the <laughs> fellowship hall up with the wildest kids you could ever imagine and, uh, and it was during a season of transition and, uh, you know, when we came here, there was an organ on this side and a piano on this side. And, and, and that was great. I kind of was raised with that in the 60s. Um, but this was 1995. And it was like, this was a rural church for a long time. It was a rural church because this was a rural area. But how many know it's not a rural area anymore, is it? God was, was trying to change the personality of the church. And it took a number of years. And uh, Pastor Chris came in, you know, for part of that. And obviously, Sam Lucia was here. And, and we were just part of what I think God was doing. And, and during that season, my brother had come up. And I, I really believe that this is part of the roots of what it took to move a church forward. And God forbid it should happen to any of you this way, but I don't know why. I never asked God why this happened, what I'm about to tell you. I said, Lord, what do I do in response to it? And I still do. And uh, But on January 31st, 1997, my brother was playing drums right there. And the last time I seen him in this life, he was standing about right here at an altar with his hand on the shoulder praying for the young man that would take his life two days later. 
was addicted to drugs and had a lot of mental issues going on. Still unexplained why it happened. And I would just say that, that right after that, I knew we were not saved. But that year, there's so much behind the story, the turmoil that happened. There was family in the area and conflict here and there. And my flesh wanted to leave here so bad. And you know what? The more that you sow in here, the more significant God wants to make you here as you move forward, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be offenses. There's going to be things that try to pluck you out of God's plan for your life, your part in the story of Hedgesville Church. And I'll just say that it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit in me and my wife who endured being punched in the face by a student one time out right in the room back back here. A parent. That's right. A parent of a student. All the stories we could tell. Uh... But everything in my flesh wanted to leave this place. I'm not proud of it, but I may as well tell you too. I told the first service. I stood right here praying, God said, let me get, let me go from here. Let me move to the next part of my journey. But I knew I could. I had the freedom to. We had the freedom to, but I knew the Holy Spirit wasn't giving me peace. I got so mad at God, not proud of it. I picked up a pew Bible and I threw it all the way to the back wall, busted into a hundred pieces. That's just how angry, something I would never ever in a million years do. I fell on my knees and I repented right there. Little did I know that that pressure was coming in because God wanted us to stick around and meet this guy and his wife who would show up just a few months later and Bob Hahn back there. And and, uh, little did I know that our lives would be so intertwined today that that's what God had in store. So I just challenge you this morning. Listen, you're part of a great story being written for future generations. Play your part and don't be surprised when the trials come. Amen? Amen. I want you to hear from one of the wildest people I know. First time I found out that he had raised his family in a camper traveling all over the country talking to kids. I thought he was crazy. And then I thought, I want to do something like that. (laughs) Pastor Carl. Well, it was in the summer of 1991. um, I resigned my uh, church. I was pastoring in Barton, Vermont. We didn't have much, but we sold our car and everything just to get our first camper. And it was a wilderness, an old fifth wheel, and a, and a, it was a package deal. It was a fifth wheel and a, and a, a Chevy crew cab, a green and white, yes. Those were the days. So that was our, our first year on the road, and uh, um, it was kind of slim pickings for scheduling. And so uh, when you don't have many uh, places to go, you know, you're, you're living by faith week after week. And uh, an opportunity opened up for us in Virginia for a church down there to, to kind of kind of make it a, a base, a home base. Uh, the pastor there, he recommended several churches. So it's like four or five churches that are part of a basketball team from college. He recommended these churches, so we went to them, and, 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 and lo and behold, uh, one of them was, uh, you know, Pastor Whitford at the time here in uh, Hedgesville uh, Assembly of God. And so he invited us to, to come and do ministry, and so we did. And as a result of that, um, we connected, uh, you know, as friends. And in the process of that, they were doing a building program in the in the back, uh, the back wing of the church there. You know, we had our camper parked out back there, and I remember... Um, Helping them on the roof, you know, laying shingle shingles there. You know, Pastor Whitford um, talked with his board, and, and he, he said, um, well, I think we ought to offer the Lucius, you know, an opportunity to stay here when they don't have meetings. And so they said, um, you're welcome to stay here any time. So that year, you know, we, we, we stayed, and we winterized the camper and whatnot. And <laughs> I remember them saying, it doesn't snow much here. <laughs> 
And when it does, it, it, you know, it goes away real quick. And I think that was a record year in snow. And so we were buried in our wilderness fifth wheel camper out back of the church, up right by the back door there. They had a hookup for us there. And now years later, three pastors later, we're still here. Hedgesville Church has always felt like home to us. And, uh, it's a warm place. It's a unique place. It really is. And this is not a lot of hype. Um, we travel a lot. We travel a lot of places. But uh, the welcome and the warmth that we get when we we come home is greatly appreciated. We're thankful for all the things they do for us to help us to uh, have a place that's secure and, and a place where we can come and place where we can build our sets uh this is where we build our sets for kids turn and 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 hedgesville is has bent over backwards to allow us to park our campers here on the property and uh continue our ministry i mean they what church out there i don't know of any church out there that would let us use their fellowship hall to paint during our building seasons every two years. Thank you, Edgesville Church. We love you. We appreciate your love. Well, the church was looking for a new pastor at this time, and um, uh, Pastor Don Webb's name evidently came up, and and I was told that uh, (laughs) the church board kind of warned Pastor Webb that... uh, you see, we have this family. Um, they're kind of in and out. Kids turn ministries. Uh, they travel. And we've kind of offered them this as their home base. And so, in other words, if you say yes, you have to uh, say yes. But, you know, through, through the whole transition, it was awesome because um, I, I remember I remember taking our kids' turn box truck up to Lonaconi to help move him down. And, of course, you know, anybody that knows Pastor Webb, is, he's a warm guy. But we connected, and, uh, you know, through the years, uh, he was pastoring here as lead pastor. He, uh, we just grew close. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, he got this crazy idea to hike the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> And uh, he did. Church was so gracious to him, allowed him the time to do it. Something lifelong dream, but you know, you just never know what you're going to get with uh, kids' turn. You know, I kind of started influencing him in a more modern direction, going from two legs to two wheels. And so, uh, you know, he kind of bit the bug on cycle touring, and of course, he had to show me up. You know, and. He had to do a cross country when I only did an Atlantic Coast tour. But uh, we love him so much, and uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much. I think we ought to just. Uh, why don't we just let Pastor Webb tell his story? Well. Thank you, Pastor Carl, and uh, we are glad that um, I didn't have to take credit for inviting them to come. Pastor Lou took the chance, and uh, 
We are so glad, however, that they are a part of our church. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. We, we love the, the Lutra family, and I can imagine uh, them not being around uh, for this. Um, I wanted to um, just introduce my wife, uh, Linda, uh, back here. Um, affectionately, affectionately known as Sister Honey. And uh, it took three people to marry us as well. Um, and one of those was my dad. He wanted to get me out and, and um, connected up. And uh, one was my wife's home pastor. But the other was Joseph Smith, uh, who had been uh, my wife's pastor years earlier. And uh, his part in our wedding ceremony uh, was to serve us communion. And uh, I just was fresh out of Bible college. And um, so I remember clearly uh, Brother Smith uh, <laughs> reading the scripture uh, and um, saying, you know, regarding the cup, uh, drink ye all of it. And uh, so I'm thinking, that's a pretty good sized cup. And uh, so my wife took a little sip. I'm thinking, why don't you drink more? I got to drink all the rest of that. I got to drink all of that. <laughs> and. Uh, and I, so I chugged a bunch. And, uh, fortunately, it was uh, grape juice and not wine. Uh, and, I, and I come to understand that what that scripture read properly is, drink ye all of it. <laughs> but then I got to thinking, I'd rather chug than drink after everybody else. And so I was okay <laughs> with that. But anyway, we... Um, uh, she's Sister Honey. We're blessed to uh, have served together for a number of years. And, and um, I, I clearly remember, you know, the, the, what an awesome history the church has. And to see uh, in pictures and to hear from people involved, it's, it's just so amazing. And um, but I, I clearly remember when we came here, uh, it seemed that the church was at a, uh, a difficult uh, point, kind of a low point. And uh, I remember... It was not an environment that was conducive uh, to growth or even an atmosphere in which uh, most people wanted to be, uh, seemingly. And uh, so, and that's put it in a kind way. Um, but uh, I, I instructed Linda, I said, honey, don't unpack everything. We're not going to be here for a couple of months and we'll be out. <laughs> and uh, God was gracious. And um, uh, the church um, uh, was willing to stick with it and stick with us. And uh, some drastic changes have continued over uh, the years. And uh, for the first several, uh, which seemed like really long years, uh, change was very gradual and, and very slow. And so when you look at the congregation today with its willingness to embrace change, uh, it's difficult to recall how tedious uh, it was to introduce even small changes back then. But eventually um, we moved from pews uh, to chairs and uh, we moved from the rocket lights that uh, hung, humongous rocket lights that hung down from this uh, small ceiling um, to now stage lighting. And uh, we moved from um, some of the traditional style of worship with piano and organ uh, to the much more contemporary style that we enjoy today. So it's refreshing to be a, a part of a congregation that embraces change, and I want to commend you for that. Uh, you don't resist it, but you expect it and you look forward to it, and so that makes you an awesome congregation and a great people to lead. Uh, for many years, um, 
off and on, um, we weathered some really challenging times financially. Uh, and yet it was right in the middle of those times that uh, this congregation took a, a leap of faith and uh, purchased the uh, 29 acres between the church and uh, the school when it became available. Uh, and I believe that the exciting construction that you see taking place uh, next door uh, to us is uh, possible to some extent because of the faith and the commitment and the sacrifice on the part of those in the church at that time, uh, some of whom have gone to be with the Lord. And uh, I really don't know. Uh, I don't, we don't have, have any indication in Scripture that these heroes of faith are able to, to look and to see what's transpiring today. But uh, that really doesn't matter because one of these days uh, they will receive their reward uh, for the part they had in founding and promoting this church. I, um, some of them, I can still picture where they were sitting in the church. They had their particular pew. And um, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll always remember, if I can keep in focus what this church looked like in a, in a few months, uh, where they were sitting. Well, when the pastoral and leadership team enrolled in a two-year leadership cohort about um, 12 years or so ago, maybe 10 years ago, uh, we emerged uh, with a spirit of unity behind a vision to serve, save, and shape our world uh, through Jesus Christ. And so the community's perception of our church changed in, in a positive way as we served them. And many more conversions and baptisms followed as we focused on inviting people to follow Christ and to receive him as Savior uh, and the save aspect of our, our vision. And uh, God has just been so faithful uh, to, to help us turn the corner and uh, the church to, to begin to grow. And around that time, and I... Uh, I think I had to actually look through some papers to see when this, because I can't remember when it was, but uh, right before then, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, had lymphoma, and so following the uh, removal of the involved lymph nodes, I followed up with chemo and uh, then with radiation. And um, and people prayed all around the world, and, and God still answers prayer and heals today, Amen. But everyone that's had chemo treatments uh, knows how nasty that stuff is. And uh, I'll never forget that first Sunday uh, that I stepped into the church after losing all of my hair that week. And uh, there was Pastor Chris and uh, several of the men of our congregation with their heads shaved in support. And that's something you'll never forget. And I always, I always hold that, and, and that'll be a deep uh, memory in my heart. But I kept my head shaved after that, and uh, they didn't. But some of them didn't matter; they lost it anyway. <laughs> Any success that I had while pastoring here, I do attribute in large part uh, to the amazing and remarkable staff and leadership team that I had around me. Uh, they were, and they still are, an incredible group of men and women. And for the first time in my entire ministry, I felt that I had a staff capable of running the church while I was on sabbatical. 
And as most of you know, this amazing church um, gave me six months off and uh, told me to go take a hike. <laughs> and uh, so I did, and uh, through hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, I can't say enough good about this great congregation. Uh, you are, uh, I believe, the most innovative and talented group of people on the planet. Uh, musically, they're, they're awesome. Um, technically, they're, they're tops. Uh, abilities in construction, you know, that is really being put to use right now. We're seeing them come together and do amazing things. Uh, we have some great teachers. Uh, and on and on, you name it, there's probably someone here in the congregation that can do it. You're the most friendly and most loving and most inviting congregation of people. And the most flexible group of people that I know that you look forward to change. And the most trusting people. Several years ago, uh, we adopted a new constitution and bylaws that uh, permitted me as a pastor to select our leadership team and to name my successor. And um, that, to me, was a move more, I think, to a biblical type of leadership away from the democratic government type of style that we have in, our, in America. Uh, we follow the Bible more than the, than the uh, democratic way. Anyway, I, I was, to be honest with you, I left that business meeting totally humbled and overwhelmed and surprised uh, that um, they would put that much confidence in me. And I left with a determination that makes sure that they never regretted um, doing that. Uh, a great congregation, trusting. And so it was a great joy uh, to end my pastoral ministry with you guys uh, two years ago, a little over two years ago, it's hard to believe, uh, after about 16 years together. And so it's my, it was my pleasure back then to hand off the baton of leadership to Pastor Chris as my successor. And uh, now it is my delight um, to have the privilege, really, uh, to be able to watch Pastor Chris skillfully take the church uh, to the next level and, um, and to support him as he does a fantastic job uh, through a, a building program, of all things. Great way to start off. So thank you, uh, Pastor Chris, as well, uh, for anchoring the church's future uh, to its past in this service. And I'm glad that I've had a privilege that God allowed me to be part of the history of this church. But I just want to say, as Pastor Mark did a moment ago, that after today, let's focus on the future because the best days are yet to come. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, would you please? The worship team is going to lead us in the song again in a moment, but let's just have a quick word of prayer before we transition to that. Father, we thank you today for the rich and colorful history of Hedgesville Church. God, it's been so refreshing to look back and see the sacrifices that have been made on the part of so many and their faithfulness to follow you and your faithfulness to us and to them. But now, God, as we move uh, forward in this um, time in our, in our history, God, I just pray that you'll continue to bless uh, this church. And I pray a special blessing upon the leadership 
and the leadership team, and particularly uh, Pastor Chris and Beth, as they uh, lead this church forward. God, we just pray that they'll lean heavily upon you and that your anointing would rest mightily upon them, O God, and that favor would rest upon every area of of, uh, the leadership that they take. May this church continue to grow and expand in its uh, outreach, Lord, to uh, people around the world, not just in this community. And may this gospel indeed go far and wide uh, through their ministry. We commit this church, commit its future into your hands, and we know it's going to be awesome. We thank you for these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do it again, Lord. Come on, great is his faithfulness. Your promise stands, say. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. Never. Your promise stands. Say. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to me. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never. I've seen you move. Say, I've seen you move. You move the Church. There's somebody here today, though, that isn't able to make it every Sunday. And uh, you already saw her on video. And I just thought it would be fitting that if we recognized her uh, this morning, she's been here pretty much from the beginning. And uh, we've got a gift for her. If you could turn the house lights up a little bit, uh, Mary Murphy is here with us, 102 years old. stand she's right in the back there I was in a meeting with uh, the seniors. You could be seated. I, I was in a meeting with the seniors, and she said, um, they were actually at my house, and she said, uh, I want to be alive long enough to be the first person to walk into the new building. So um, so there you go. 
I'm fascinated um, with the history of this church. And um, in the in the late 1920s, a man named James Pittman, who you've heard referred to this morning, pioneered a church in Sleepy Creek. And I don't know if you can imagine that. Uh, I remember as a kid coming back here in the in the late 80s and 90s and thinking, "There's what, this is so far back." So I can't imagine the late 20s coming back here to, um, or even farther back near the Woods Resort to to start a church. And uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating story because a few years after he started the church, they lost the church property because they didn't have a deed to the property. So he was a pioneer and a squatter at the same time. Just, hey, this looks like a good piece. We'll have church here. So he um, he started moving around from house to house and, and then finally settled in the Murphy's home there in the early 30s. But it reminds me of a scripture Paul wrote to the Philippian church in uh, Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 12. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived in my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. If you start a church way out in Sleepy Creek and then lose it and have to meet in multiple houses for about the next 10 years, you have to have a forgetting what's behind and pressing on mentality. I read that he would get, I think Mary said, sometimes he'd get 25 cents a week. All the way up to 1954, there were 11 members, I said. 1976, this group of pressing on people built the church we now gather in. And many of those people are still here today, and I appreciate them so much. Sticking it out, pressing on, dedicated to the gospel going forward. A lot of them uh, mean so much to me. In 91, those pressing on people added onto this building, and the church kept growing. In 96, my wife and I, Beth, were married, and uh, we started attending here. And uh, I met Mark Mason, uh, who's been a good friend for over 20 years. And uh, we started serving with him. Our kids were born at this church, not at the church, but uh, raised here. One of the prides of my life is my daughter calling home from college, talking about how our church does things and uh, how she's so thankful for it. It was a good church for my kids to grow up in. So we were young and clueless, but we had a pressing on mentality. We joined in, and uh, I think it was a December of 2000, Pastor Lou Whitford, um, who uh, was pastored here for about 13 years, uh, Mark and Susan had, had moved on, and he came to me and said, hey, would you consider doing this? I had no credentials. I had no college or seminary experience. And uh, he said, would you consider doing this, taking a huge gamble? And I remember the conversation. He said, uh, we could pay $10 an hour. And I went, yeah, sounds good to me. I learned later in life, you should talk to your wife about everything. <laughs> if he just said five bucks an hour, I would have taken the job. So I go home, I'm all excited. I said, Beth, you're not going to believe it, I got the job. And she said, oh, that's so great. So what's it look like? And I said, they're going to pay me $10 an hour. She just started crying. <laughs> 
don't know if they were tears of joy or tears of starvation or what. But we pressed on. 2001, Pastor Don came, had a pressing on mentality. Those first years were difficult. And he took another gamble, and I didn't realize, uh, traditionally in the Assemblies of God, if the lead pastor leaves, then, then all the staff people are kind of in limbo to whether the next guy comes in, wants to keep them or not. And I didn't realize that Carl had already worked it out with the board that he had to be, he had to stay. And, um, and so I didn't think that far ahead, but pastor Don took another gamble and kept us. And he led the church for the next, uh, 16 years. And that time the church grew larger than it ever had. We went to two services here in this building. And, uh, and here we are today again, pressing on. Same mentality. Now you are a part of it. Not just the people from the 30s, the 50s, or the 90s, but you. A beautiful foundation of persistence has been laid by dedicated people throughout the years. A foundation that you and your families are building on now. Now you are pressing on. You're giving, serving, paying, praying, building. You're adding to what has already been built. In an age when everything has to be new. We need new cars. We, we love new cars so much that we will buy perfume to spray in an old car to make it smell new. We need a new phone every year. We need new relationships. Everything has to be new. And I'm not saying I don't like new. But I'm realizing the older I get that I need old things. I need old wisdom. I need old faithfulness. And so in our, in our quest for new things, we can oftentimes ask God for new things and new things and new things and forget that the things he's already done are really, really good. And so the song today was fitting. Ask God to just do what he's already done. Lord, you've already been faithful. I'd like you to do that again. Thinking back on our 20 plus years here at Hedgesville Church, I can remember and still happening people's life being changed for eternity in this room here. So we ask God that he would do it again. I've seen people healed in this room and we ask God to do it again. I've seen people called into ministry in this room, myself included, and we ask him to do it again. I've seen people shed tears in this room. We ask him to do it again. People have laughed in this room and we ask him to do it again. People have been married in this room here and we ask him to do it again. I'm asking that the same pioneering spirit that brought James Pittman to start a church be given to us. Not a new spirit, but the same one. A never quit, never back down, whatever it takes to take the gospel far and wide spirit. Don't do something new, God. Do that again. This building has served us well, but as any parent of growing kids know, the clothes that house your kids at five won't do the job at 15. There was nothing wrong with them. It was just time to grow. And we are experiencing the same phenomenon, beautiful growth. With all its awkwardness, we, we, we have the walk of shame. All its pains, finding a parking space when the pastor preaches too long. This building has been an incredible blessing and will continue to do so. 
But James Pittman did not have a build a new building spirit. He had an advance the kingdom, whatever the cost spirit. This sanctuary edition is not the capstone of our time together, but another stone in the foundation. That pioneering spirit that God is doing again will cause us to push his gospel far and wide. In other towns, in other states, even in other countries. Wherever the spirit leads to whoever he leads us to. When this building is finished, we will pray prayers of thanksgiving and prayers asking him to do it again and again and again. This is our time to lay more foundation. When empowered and directed by the Spirit of God, and as we press on, we will ask him over and over and over again to do it again. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand together? We're going to celebrate him and pray. Father, we thank you so much that you would choose to include us. So many people here who have laid such a good foundation that we are building on today. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. Lord, not just a trivial blessing, but a meaningful one. God, that you'd bless them for the work they have done to further your kingdom. And I pray that the weight of what they have done would rest on us to continue. God, that we would never be okay with just doing a little. Lord, but that that history would, would catapult us into doing all we can for you. We thank you for it, God, and we do ask that what you have done in the past, you would do again through us. And you would keep doing it until you see fit to come back. We thank you for it, and we give you the honor and the praise. Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, could you give him honor and praise this morning? He's good. Amen.